Hi, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 22, and this episode is called On Transformation, Coming to Our Senses. So in case you have not noticed, I have done a couple of episodes that I guess I would put in sort of like a thematic series or something. Um, and it's, you know, it always starts with on transformation. Uh, so episode four and episode 13, we talked about this. Oh, that's so interesting. Every nine episodes I've done this. That's very funny. Yeah. So four, 13 and 22. Look at that. Must be a pattern. Apparently every nine weeks I start really thinking about transformation deeper in a more deep way. Anyway, so I, all of this comes from a place where I ask this question of like, what transforms people? What transforms us as human beings? What is it that's at work exactly? Or what kinds of things can we practice that might transform those of us who seek transformation? So today I'm going to talk about um, transformation again. We're going to talk about the unconscious. We're going to talk about consciousness. We're going to talk about choice. And we're going to talk about our five senses. So to start off, let's talk about the unconscious. So um, I am in a helping profession. I think you know that by now. And many of you who listen to this are also Uh, Some of you are counselors, some of you are therapists, mental health therapists, um, psychologists, whatever uh, your profession happens to be. But in the field of psychology, we spend a lot of time researching, thinking about, uh, you know, drawing out things from the unconscious. Uh, Freud and Carl Jung, they were very interested in what was below the surface, and, you know, digging into people's unconsciouses, unconsciouses, yeah, unconsciouses, yeah, that's a weird plural. Anyway, but so we spent a lot of time on this in the field of psychology. And I think, you know, it's not, here's the thing, it's not all bad. But I do kind of wonder that maybe we just spend too much time on it. Um, maybe it would benefit us to consider other options other important things that are going on with us as human beings. So um, what is the other option? So I think the twin of unconscious, of the unconscious, is consciousness. So what are we conscious of? What are we aware of? And I'm going to dip my toe in the surface of this water here. So There's a lot more we could say about this. I'm highly aware of that. Pretty much that's just like a flat statement that you can count on with this podcast is that I'm only ever touching the surface of many of these topics. And my whole goal is to uh, gradually go deeper into them as we proceed through our episodes together. Um, But again, I just, I only have half an hour and I can't only talk about this to a certain degree. So let's just keep that in mind. So the conscious, so consciousness, what is consciousness? Um, So consciousness is really just kind of another word for awareness. And it's our way of being aware. 
So I talk a lot about breathing, which you probably have noticed. And maybe you wonder why I talk so much about breathing. It's this like really simple thing. You know, it's just breathing. It's no big deal, right? But here's the interesting thing about breathing is that it's the only thing that we do in our bodies and in our minds, actually, um, in our bodies that can be either conscious or unconscious. It's really the only thing that we can sort of um, physically be doing, but we can either control it or we don't have to. So like, think about the differences. So like our heartbeat, we can't control, you can sort of, you know, there's this whole biofeedback thing where you actually, by bringing awareness to your heartbeat, you can actually notice it slowing, but you can't actively control it. You can't turn a knob in your brain and say like, I want you to beat 108 beats per minute. I want you to beat 40 beats per minute. There's no, you know, actual controlling. You can slightly impact it by bringing awareness to it, but um, you can't actually control it fully. Not so with breath. With breath, you can be breathing and not notice. Like right now, you're probably not noticing that you're breathing, except now you are, right? It's like the second I bring awareness to it, the second I mention it, Uh, then your consciousness is drawn to it. Your awareness is drawn to the breath. So breathing is the only thing that actually we can control or it happens if we're not thinking about it. So it's our choice, right? It's like either or. But here's the other thing about breath, why I talk about it so much and why it's so important. Um, So I'm a yoga teacher officially. Hooray, hurrah. Um, As of yesterday, actually. So... I talk a lot, I I taught my first ever yoga class as my, you know, my final for my program on Tuesday night. And one of the things that I wove throughout the class is letting the breath be this bridge between the mind and the body, between consciousness and physicality. So it's important because breath is this bridge. It's this thing that when we're bringing our awareness to it, It brings us into the moment that we are living in right here, right now. And I'll tell you later, we'll come at our last point. I'll tell you why that's so important in my opinion. Um, So here's the thing. I think we, mm, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Okay. So this comes, brings me to my second point that of, of choice, So here's my disclaimer for this, and I just want to keep putting this out there because I want you to know how serious I am about it. I never want you to feel shame about what you're doing. That is not the purpose of why I bring these things up. Um, It's not the purpose of why I invite you to certain things. I don't invite you to things because I think you're doing things wrong. All I want to do is actually just give you awareness or an invitation to awareness and an invitation to one choice or another. So that's why choice is so important because there is no good or bad necessarily. It's just if I do this, this happens. And if I do this, this happens. And, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, one of my coworkers said the other day, 
I have the choice whether or not I want to stop at red lights. That's true. Like nobody's sitting there unless you're in like a driver's ed car. Um, there's no, there's nobody there to like break, push the brake for you. No one's there to make you stop at a stoplight. Maybe your conscience is, maybe your, you know, your interest in obeying the law and not getting a ticket from a police officer. But that's the point. It's a choice. You can go through the stoplight and there's a risk involved in that and you can stop at it and that leads to other ends, right? So all of this to say, what I'm about to present to you is literally a choice. There is no good or bad. One leads to one thing and one leads to another. And I don't, and I never want you to feel judged or shamed because I don't judge you and I don't want to shame you. That's literally everything. It's like the opposite of everything I stand for and hope to bring to your lives. Okay. There's my disclaimer. That was a long one. So, um, an important part of choice is knowing your options. So that's what I'd like to offer here. Okay. Option one for life. <laughs> how, how about that? Here's option one for life. There are two options. Um, here's option one. We can live life on autopilot, which means, so that's option one, autopilot. So a lot of times we, I think this is actually, think about this for yourself Think about it critically. Maybe ask your friends, talk to your friends about this, see what they think about this. But I think we live a lot of our lives on autopilot. We, you know, when we're driving, we're thinking about stuff. When we are in a conversation, we're feeling stuff. Um, and that's very natural and it's very normal. Our minds get very busy very quickly. It's like it always, our minds always need something to do. That's just always true. That's something you can know is that our, our minds are very busy. They're busy bodies. And, um, it's funny cause one of my, my yoga teachers talks about how, um, the mind is like a child sitting in church and you just need to like give it Cheerios to chew on. So it sort of has something to focus on. Otherwise it's like, running up and down the pews, running up down the aisles, picking up envelopes, picking up Bibles, dropping things, you know, our minds are like children in church, right? They need something to do. Uh, they can't just, it's not very common that a child, except for like in the generation of, you know, the sixties, the baby boomers or something, it's like children should neither be seen nor heard. Um, that sad reality is true for many of you, but the reality is, you know, um, we live a lot of our life with this kind of like our minds looking for something to do. So we spend a lot of our time in our thoughts and in our feelings, right? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Thoughts and feelings themselves are not bad things. They're very important things. I've said this so many times. I'm just going to keep on repeating it. Repeating is the only way to get this into our systems, right? Um, but it's, you know, they're important, but they're not present. They're not here and now they're there and then ways of living. So, um, thoughts and feelings tend to take us for a ride. So here's another analogy for you. You can either be, so you go to an amusement park of some kind, 
you can either, either, you're one of two people. You're either on the ride or you're standing on the side of the ride watching the ride. But you're one or, you're one or the other. You're not, you know, you can't be both. You have to be one or the other. Just like that, you can't be at the dinner table and in some memory in your head or thinking about something else or making some decision or having some conversation or writing an email to a friend that you've been putting off or something. Um, You can't be in two places at once. We've talked about this before in another episode, how to be two places at once. Um, Anyway, yeah, go back and listen to that if you'd like. It's interesting. But all that to say, it's really important that we don't live life. um, We don't live life without knowing which one we're choosing, right? So thoughts and feelings take us for the ride. And I've noticed that the times that I am most impatient or what I would call like my least kind self is when I'm writing something or I'm reading something and my kids come up and ask me a question or I get interrupted or something. And, you know, you kind of, you've all had these moments, right? It's like you get like zapped into reality. You get awoken to the present moment and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, It's kind of jarring to some degree, depending on how your concentration is, but it's a little bit jarring. So I call this living your invisible life, this autopilot. It's it's sort of like you're living a life that's invisible to other people. You are uh, in your head, you're in your thoughts, you're in your feelings, you're absorbed in your invisible life, not the here and now life, right? So, um, we call, you know, we, we sometimes say that people daydream because I think there's like a, there is actually a sleeping quality to this. There's this sort of, you know, it's the invisible life. It's sort of this, we're experiencing something very real, but it's invisible to everybody else. So that's just kind of interesting thing to think about. So that's option one. I'm going to read you, um, I've been reading a book called Human Being and Becoming by David Benner, who is a psychologist and super interesting book, super interesting guy. I really like him. A friend of mine gave me a book by him for my birthday last year, and I've been reading lots of other stuff by him this year because I love it so much. Um, so this is what, I'm going to read you a little snippet here. Only humans seem to get lost in wondering about other possible ways of being and doing. Choices are the ground of our great freedom, but they also can lead us into a great bog of quicksand. The more we thrash about in the possibilities and choices that confront us, the deeper our entrapment becomes. This is the price we pay for consciousness. However, without consciousness, we can never reflect on our lives, be absorbed by something that caught our attention, or be fully present to others or ourselves. Without consciousness, we would be like rocks or trees. We would simply be what we do and do what we are. How easily we humans allow this great gift of consciousness to slip through our fingers. How much of our lives are lived on autopilot without awareness. Okay, so that's option one. And it segues perfectly into option two. Option two is awake. Awake 
this is what Benner has to say as I continue down this passage here um, that I'm reading from the book Human Being and Becoming. This is what Benner says about awake. The invitation to embrace the fullness of being human is an invitation to awaken, to respond rather than simply react. It is an invitation to become full participants in our own lives. It is an invitation to climb back up out of unconsciousness each time we stumble into it. It is an invitation to reclaim our heritage as mindful beings who are wide awake and present to ourselves, others, and the world around us. What we need for fully orbed human functioning is a partnership between the two dimensions of our inner lives. He's talking about consciousness and unconsciousness. Each time we notice something, we stand at the threshold of a possible awakening. Even if we notice only for a moment and then drift back into our mindless stupors, any awakening to the present moment deepens consciousness and heightens our presence. Paying attention to anything is the first step toward leaving our minds and coming to our senses. Yeah, ringing a bell now? It's interesting, right? So I totally stole the title of this podcast from David Benner, in case you didn't notice that. Um, so here's my question. Um, by the way, I understand when I was reading that, I became aware that, you know, I am presenting these two choices, but I am also, you know, shamelessly to some degree, like really obviously kind of trying to appeal to you that one option may serve you more than the other. So I don't like the labels good and bad. Uh, I don't think you're, I guess that's really my point is there are two options here. One is not bad and one is not good, but I do think one will serve you differently. And, um, and I do believe that our invitation overall, one of our biggest invitations as human beings is to become, is to unfold, is to be transformed. That's why this little theme series exists in my podcast. Okay. Sidebar. Anyway, here I come back. So here's my question. Where is your life taking place? Like your actual life? Where is your actual life taking place? Um, is your actual life this invisible life that I was just talking about? Or is the substance of what you call your life, quote unquote life, here and now? Is it this present moment? Is this your actual life? It's hard to know. There's a lot of components, right? It's, there's a lot of things to consider. But I think that, um, well, here's a, here's a question to help you think about this maybe. Do you ever have a hard time remembering what you did yesterday or where you were or where you went or what you saw or whatever at certain times of your life? Um, and I don't mean like, you know, you've blocked it out and shoved it into your unconscious. I just mean like, literally, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. A lot of times when I can't remember what I ate for breakfast or like what road I took to get to work, it's because I was not living in the present moment. I was writing an email to someone in my head 
or I was listening to a podcast, which I actually actively choose in the car because I hate my commute so much. Um, I actually choose dissociating from my drive if possible, even though I'm paying attention to details. I'm, I'm not paying attention to which roads I'm choosing because I know how to get there anyway. But you know, when it, what makes those things hard to remember is that we're actually not engaged in the present moment at those times. So conversely, think of a memory that's really vivid and pleasant to you. What do you remember about that? Just take a second to think about that. What is a, like a memory that's very pleasant and vivid to you in your memory? What do you remember about that? If you aren't driving or not responsible for anything important right now, (laughs) maybe you close your eyes and think about this. What do you see? What do you smell in this scene? What kinds of things are you tasting? What are you hearing? What does the air feel like on your skin? When I think about this, I go back to, I regularly, I admit, um, especially lately for some reason, I regularly go back to this memory um, from when I was in Lebanon at this restaurant, this outdoor restaurant called Pepe's by the Sea in Byblos in Lebanon. Um, It's so vivid in my mind. And I think about that time, and the reason it's so precious to me is because I was fully present, and I was fully joyful. I was so happy at that moment, and I was fully present. And I don't think I tapped out one minute of the full, you know, hour or two that I was there. I was there the whole time. So I remember it. It's there in my mind. It's seared into my, into my memory. So I think my point is this, we best recall and we best live in the moments in which we are fully participating with our consciousness, with our awareness, and our consciousness and awareness is best put to use with our senses. So when David Benner says, let's come to our senses, what he's really saying is let's come to our real lives Let's come to these moments where we are fully in our bodies and we're paying attention to sensations and we're noticing our thoughts and feelings. Maybe that's part of it. Like when I was at Pepe's by the sea, I wasn't like dissociating or disconnected from my feelings and my thoughts. I was very connected to them. And I think that's why it's such a good memory and vivid memory. But the difference is that I was noticing my thoughts and feelings. I wasn't getting pulled away from the present moment by my thoughts and feelings. I was getting pulled into the present moment by my thoughts and feelings. The here and now is where true life happens, my friends. And being in a moment with all that we are, not just our heads, but our whole bodies and our, and our thoughts and our feelings and our sensations and the energy that we bring to that moment is really important. 
it makes us participate. It leads us to participate. So why is this part of my transformation theme? Um, I think participation in the here and now leads to transformation. I need to think more about how I can present this in a way that you all can, uh, you know, take part in and apply and plug into your life. But for now, I just want to, I want you to think about it because that would make this episode really long. But maybe in nine episodes, we'll come back to this and talk about it again. Episode uh, 31, we'll be back for it. Um, but really, here's, here's my invitation to you. Be transformed by this moment, by coming to your senses. When you take a walk, when you wash the dishes, don't, you know, don't just take a walk or walk the dish, wash the dishes, um, and, you know, think about this thing that happened or the thing that's going to happen or the thing that you're worried will happen or replaying a conversation that didn't go well. Um, just take a walk, uh, wash the dishes. You know, I have this book actually, that's a really awesome book. It's called living in the moment by Anna Black. And it takes everyday things that we do all the time and invites you into paying attention. So if you really want to take this invitation very seriously, maybe you go and check out that book, Living in the Moment by Anna Black. It's a great book. I picked it up at like anthropology or something, or like terrain or something at a garden store. But um, it's just a way of thinking. I remember in that book, she says one of the chapters or one of the pages is called, it's just broken up into little simple sections of like stuff that we do every day. And I remember the one about taking a shower says, who are you taking a shower with? It's like when you're in the shower, you're having conversations with people in your head, right? Even though you're alone in the shower, which is kind of funny. So anyway, maybe you do this on your commute. Um, I take the train into work two days a week. And when I take the train, I try to practice looking out the window and noticing things, using my senses, coming back to my senses as much as possible to bring myself into the present moment. Maybe you take a break at work and you go sit on a park bench outside or on the ledge of something or wherever, on a step, something like that. And you just hear the things that you can do. Notice, just notice. Don't judge, don't think of, you know, don't get, let your thoughts and feelings suck you out of the moment. But just notice, what are five things that you see? What are four things that you hear? What are three things that you smell? What are two things that you feel, on your, like feel sensation-wise? And what's one thing that you taste? And maybe that's like you smell food in the air and you can almost taste it. Maybe it's you're chewing gum. I don't know, whatever it is, maybe you taste the remnants of lunch on your tongue. But I think that this is a very radical and true invitation into living in the present moment. And I do genuinely believe that the only place that you can be transformed is right here, right now. So if it's transformation that you're looking for, you might want to think about this second option and how it could serve you a little better than the first. 
a little differently than the first. Haha, <laughs> I corrected myself. My blessing to you, I'm going to read a Mary Oliver poem as I am wont to do. I love, can you tell I like poetry? I actually majored in poetry in college. Um, and I know it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, amorphous for a lot of people and not everybody enjoys poetry. So I try to pick stuff that's pretty practical. So this is the blessing for this week. It's called The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. How to fall down into the grass. How to kneel down in the grass. How to be idle and blessed. How to stroll through the fields. Which is what I've been doing all day long. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is you... Is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Come into the now, my friends. Come check it out. Try it on. See what happens. See what's different. Thanks for coming. It's always lovely to talk to you. Email me if you'd like, lifeinthewhirlwind at gmail.com. And I hope to hear from you. Take great care. Thank mm-hmm. you.